Lucas Mann, the Barbarian, what is best in life? Uh, it's definitely um, to uh, crush your enemies, um, and their girlfriends are going to be upset about that, I guess. I, I can't quite remember the quote. Um, actually, I'm being ingenuine, Will. What's best in life is to talk about the cartoon Arthur with your good buddies. That is actually what's really, really best. That's the mission statement of Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Will Young here with Lucas Mancini. And of course, that's in reference to the fact that uh, you were quite excited to see Conan the Barbarian. And I saw, right. your, I saw your letterboxed review of it, <laughs> which I think was a little bit more generous than mine would be if I had a Conan the Barbarian letterbox. But I'm pleased that you had a good time. I did have a good time. Some guy won a sword. Um, oh, you, you know, didn't win a sword? I, I did not win the sword. I wouldn't have won the sword anyway because they had Conan trivia, and I had never seen the movie Ooh. before. Mm. Um, but uh, and I, you know, I got to get more yoked. I got to get more diesel if I'm mm. going to be wielding that sword. Uh, but despite not winning the sword, uh, I had a great time. I did really enjoy that movie. I enjoyed, uh, if nothing else, um, the sets. You know, the the effects. There's things in that movie that you just simply don't see these days. Um, so quality aside, I always appreciate that stuff. Um, but yeah, a f- fun times were had at Conan. Um, but we're going to have some even funner times, Will. Because oh, it's been a minute since I've talked about our favorite aardvark, Arthur. Yeah. It's been a sec. Yeah, you've been on like a... Well, not to, I mean, not to get too far into what you've actually been up to, but you've been like roaming across Canada and you've been, uh, yeah. you've been real busy. I've been busy, busy. I have not been on a siesta. I've been road running. Um, mm. And besides, you know, all my loved ones back here at home in that ocean air, the thing I missed most is everyone's favorite aardvark. And so I'm happy to check back in with the A-man. Well, and you'll be checking back in as well with our listeners. Some of them <laughs> have been wondering where you've been and uh, and especially when we check out the mailbag here at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can send in your emails to us, just like our listeners this week. Uh, We did get one during your absence in one of the two, in between, I believe it was the two uh, guest episodes that we had. Big thanks to Jason Schwimmer and birthday person Peebs uh, for filling in for Lucas. I had some great fun with them. Check out those episodes if you haven't. Uh, one of our listeners, Eric, was curious about episodes that you have not covered on ECL. Uh, and you you were saying to me that you are definitely going to go back and check out the ones from season 14 that you haven't seen, uh, which I think is due in part to the fact that we're quite enjoying season 14. You are correct. I um, And not to speak too much on the episode we're talking about this week, I don't want to spoil it, um, but I was... In airports in Toronto, checking the social media, and I was like, "Wait, Neil Gaiman is in this Arthur <laughs> episode?" Uh, so it was as much a surprise to me. Um, and the early season fourteen episodes I watched, I was like, "Wow, this is like classic." It's really been a blessing. It, it's been like classic golden era seasons one through three Arthur just much later on in season 14. So I feel like before we enter the Flash era, the the traditional animation era is going out with a a bang of sorts. Um, And so I think I'd be remiss if I didn't watch some of those episodes because right now I've I've missed four, right? And so when we're putting out our top five, uh, I want to make sure that uh, it is an honest assessment of of all of the episodes in this this season because it seems like it's been a good one. I would, I would agree. Um, I won't go into much details about that because there will be a time for that in uh, in a few months from now. So uh, pleased to hear it. And yes, Lucas, Lucas. by the time the season 14 recap rolls around, he will have seen all, even the stuff he wasn't here for. Uh, okay, so let's go to our first email that we'll read here from Megan. I will and Lucas found your podcast a few months ago, immediately got hooked. Arthur was and still is one of my favorite shows. So getting to relive all my old favorite episodes through you two talking about it has been awesome, especially at work as I'm currently working 11 hour days. Yeah. Your (laughs) podcast makes my day go by so quickly. I don't know what I'm going to do when I catch up and I no longer have a huge backlog of episodes currently listening to you guys talk about the last episode of season eight. I'm sorry for the long email. Really wanted to thank you guys. Your humor, knowledge and in-depth discussions are amazing and always put 
put me in a good mood even on my worst days. Keep up the great work. That's from Megan. Uh, thank you, Megan. Appreciate the kind words. Um, well, I mean, I have a recommendation for where you can go once you get through the backlog of the the free episodes of the podcast. <laughs> wow, well, but great minds think alike. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, but I don't want to. I don't want to lay it on. I don't want to lay it on too thick, you know. But if you're ever hurting for ECL content mm. and you haven't breached the Patreon wall, um, certainly we recommend it because we are uh, big fans of the of what we do for Patreon as well. The low, low price of one Canadian dollar. Mm, mm-hmm. Our next one is from Ingrid, who has a confession to make. I do not know what you guys sound like. Or excuse me, I don't know what I... Of course they know what they sound like. I do not know what you guys look like. But when I listen to Elwood City Limits, I always imagine you as Shane and Ryan from BuzzFeed Unsolved. Okay, I gotta look this up. Me too. This Let's begs, take a look. Okay. This is live reaction to... Buzz? Also, does she specify who's Shane and who's Ryan? Uh, No. But maybe we can figure this out. Unsolved. Yeah, I definitely... It's funny. Um, if you want to see what we look like, I think there's pictures on the ECL Instagram. Um, and also, you know, if anyone's mm-hmm. ever seen those live streams. Uh, okay. Interesting. See, I don't know which one of these guys is Shane and which one of these guys is Ryan. No, neither do I. I'm guessing I'm guessing that... I'm probably the taller guy with the I was brown just gonna hair. Say, I was just going to say, you, you definitely... More so have the energy of the taller gentleman, um, yes. whereas I might be this the shorter olive skinned individual. The sh- um, the short the short king of the two. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. These guys seem like uh, some lovable goofs. I, I I can't. I don't know what it says about us that our voices kind of embody these personalities. But uh, uh, I definitely don't think we look like it IRL. No, um, so that's, no, we that's, look quite different. To, yeah, sorry to uh, break the illusion. Besides the height differential, um, but yeah, go look up. Go look. I, I, there's got to be a picture of us together on the Instagram, right? When we recorded commentary or something. Definitely, definitely there are. And I don't think I would get uh, hired for BuzzFeed for my looks, at least. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So back to Arthur. Ingrid linked us to a YouTube video explaining a theory about Arthur. Have seen it before. It's the. Uh, TV theory, like it's the uh, game theory guys doing the Arthur video. So I have seen that, have linked it around the social medias. I think that was like a year or two ago. Um, to summarize it, most children on Arthur come from families where both parents are the same species. This makes sense because interspecies reproduction is impossible. The only characters who are seen with parents of other species happen to be rabbits. Since rabbits are known for breeding at notoriously high rates, perhaps there is an abundance of rabbits in the Arthur universe, and many of them go into foster care and are adopted. If this theory is true, I have my own question about the adoption process in Arthur. The only character that I know of explicitly said to be adopted is Binky's little sister, who is a panda. However, pandas are known to reproduce at extremely slow rates. It seems unlikely that a panda would be up for adoption, but I guess stranger things have happened. Well, in that ca- in that case, we're, we're muddling in like actual birth rates of an animal with the cultural adoption of yeah. the country that the, that animal is from. Yeah, Biggie's uh, little sister is from China, yes. <laughs> and it's she's being adopted because she's Chinese. Uh, well, not because she's Chinese, but you know what I mean. Um, and so, yeah, I think that they don't really and and some um, without getting into weird territory, some shows that involve like anthropomorphic animals go to great lengths to kind of associate the animal with like their real life country counterpart, right? Like yes. they'll have animals. That would be appropriate to be from that country, uh, be from that country. Um, yeah. And there's a little bit of that in Arthur with, I suppose, Biggie's sister being a panda, um, as pandas are from China. Um, mm-hmm. But besides that, not really. Like, um, there's there's uh, moose, there's rabbits, there's ant. I don't believe ant eaters are native to, um, you know, the New England kind of Philadelphia area where Arthur is supposedly takes place, right? So I think they kind of throw that whole concept completely out of the window. So there isn't really necessarily a correlation between um, what type of animal they are and, and where kind of that animal resides in our world. Uh, it just seems like they're people. So I don't know mm-hmm. about that. I, the, you know what? You caught my attention with the the rabbit birth rate theory. I was like, oh, interesting. 
Um, but it doesn't really kind of hold up to uh, scrutiny given uh, Binky's sister. I have another question, but it's rather sad. In Arthur, Kate and Pal are able to talk to each other. This implies that in the Arthur universe, babies and animals can communicate. However, babies grow up and animals never stop being animals. Will Kate one day grow up and cease to be able to talk to Pal? So, uh, Ingrid, yes. This is actually answered in the show, which we would have talked about in the last couple of seasons. I want to say it was if it wasn't last season, it was season 12. Uh, but there is explicitly an episode where they talk about how babies eventually stop being able to understand animals as they grow older. So this will happen. Um, and then Ingrid mentions that in All Grown Up, it's, uh, it says that Kate writes creative stories about a girl who can talk to animals. So, yes, it's 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 implied that she has like a subconscious memory of her time with that. Thanks again for a great podcast, says Ingrid. Last one here from Amity, who has been listening to the show since the end of 2021 and into 2022, currently still on season 12, and I thought I might as well send you an email. I've loved Arthur since I was a kid, and even then preferred the older episodes for that nice, warm, nostalgic feeling they gave. I would watch them on YouTube and make it a point to wake up super early just to watch them. As I listened to the podcast, I loved hearing about your fan cast for a live-action Arthur movie, and now I know that an animated film for the show can just bring back the old cast, but in this day and age, it's all about using celebrities. So who would you cast for the animated Arthur film that uses celebrities for the cast instead of the real one? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, Chris Pratt. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We're going to get everyone's favorite Italian-American, Chris Pratt, is going to be mm-hmm. playing everyone's favorite fat, Everyone's favorite fat orange tabby, Chris Pratt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I like I immediately go to like good voice actors and I'm like no, no, it has to be it's like celebrities. <laughs> so it's just like we're, we're, we're students of the genre. Will you know we like letting those voice actors rock? You know what I mean? Like if anyone's ever seen an American adaptation of a Ghibli movie, you know that yeah, sometimes yeah. they they use celebrities for the name value as opposed to voice actors. And in the case of like Christian Bale in Howl's Moving Castle or whatever, that's it. They, that's what I was thinking of too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they can't kind of bring the the performance that is needed, right? Like sometimes yeah. it's it's better they don't bring the kind of marquee value a celeb brings, but it, it's better to have a voice actor because voice actors are better at embodying the character. Whereas like let's say if we got Dwayne the Rock Johnson to play Arthur, we would just be thinking that's the Rock the whole time. Yeah. Um, and they would make jokes about the, how it's the rock. I want to humor the question. I feel like there's some. The, the, I guess, this is kind of the same as like, what would you pick for the live action Arthur, right? Because it's you're basically yeah. just pick, picking like, okay, what celebrity most reminds you of the characteristics of this character? Well, in my in my mind was like, it. I was just like, okay, what's a recent? What's a recent like celebrity? voice movie it's like uh the chip and dale movie and it's just like john mulaney is arthur and andy samberg is buster I'm like yeah there you there, there you go we're done we're done here here like i got one we'll, yeah we'll get muffy to be played by anya taylor joy <laughs> sure oh that just that uh that descriptive voice of anya taylor joy exactly exactly we'll um, get uh Hmm. Francis, Francine can be played by Cardi B. She be, there you great casting. Francine can be played by Cardi B. The brain will actually be played by Steve Harvey. We're gonna. I know he's not a child, <laughs> but again, we're looking for celebs here. Um, who's somebody loud that can be Binky? Ooh, ooh, Buster's gonna be played by Joe Rogan. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you said you were going to humor this question, and now I think Sorry, you're not taking it seriously. Now I'm making jokes. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, someone allowed to be Binky. Um, oh, man, oh, oh, I... Seth, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Again, we're just stealing the casting from that Mario movie. Uh, wait, you know what? Anya Taylor Joy's in that Mario movie too. Yeah, oh, that's no. what I thought you were getting it from. No, I was just like, she's like a movie star. Jeez, this is hard. <laughs> Can we just get Bruce Dinsmore? Can we? <laughs> Please? Uh, you know what? Forget it. I'm just gonna say get Bruce Dinsmore back and in all the classics. Yeah, yeah. So casting of casting an Arthur movie for voice is hard. If we think of anything else, uh, we'll let you, we'll let you know. And certainly we welcome any suggestions. Uh, also, if there was a reboot for the whole show that did more continuity and character development than the OG, how would you want it to go about? Uh. I, I don't no, think no I, no, I, I no, think thank, no thank you yeah I think that, I I think one of the reasons that we've been able to do this show and something that I've really been surprised by 
by these later seasons is just how much continuity there is. Like, sure, there is yeah. a character development. They are always the same age, even though they go through all four seasons over and over and over again in, in regular cartoon and Simpsons-like fashion. Um, but the characters have kind of grown and changed a little bit, um, and, and especially with new characters being introduced and the relationships to them. Um, and the dedication to continuity we've cut them on slip-ups like here or there like oh you know pal didn't have his yeah. collar at the time or if, if buster if, if arthur didn't have his glasses at this time then this yes. doesn't make any sense but like besides those slip-ups are really apparent because usually they're kind of really good it, it, like mm -hmm. the, the amount of times in season 14 that they've been referencing stuff from season one and you know arthur's not like star wars right like it's not like transformers or something where there's this, like, established, like, throthing adult fan base for the show. Yeah. Uh, until me and you started doing this and the memes started blowing up, I didn't really know about Arth adults watching Arthur. And those are the only people that would pay attention to this continuity stuff. So they really were doing it for the sake of doing it. And, and I think it's really commendable. And I think that um, the show as is... Uh, strikes this really perfect balance of you can watch an Arthur episode without ever having seen another one and pretty much get the context immediately of who everyone is and all the relationships. But if you're watching it like we're watching it, which is a way that it was never intended to be watched, um, mm -hmm. it's really rewarding. And there's all these Easter eggs and stuff and, and hidden surprises for you. Yeah, and you have to be careful when asking for that sort of thing because, you know, I... When I was growing up, I was I was just like, man, I can't wait until they make my favorite. Like, I wish they would make my favorite comic book a movie. Like, yeah, we got Superman, we got Batman, but what if they made like a Green Lantern movie? Or what if we got like, <laughs> what if we got like an Iron Fist television show? Wouldn't wow, that be you, cool? You really had a big monkey's paw when you were a little yeah. kid. Yeah, it's all my, it's all my fault. So. <laughs> When it comes to like, and this happens too with like, I wish that this show I loved as a kid was more mature. And it's like, I totally understand the desire to have that. But a lot of times it doesn't work out like you think. And then you end up with like, I wish Archie had like more stakes and like continuity. And then you get Riverdale, which like, hey, if you like Riverdale, if it does it for you, awesome. I'm just saying that it's like uh it's a whole thing. That's not exactly, I don't think, what people were looking for. So sometimes you have to be careful. And that's not, and like Lucas said, I think I'm pretty satisfied with what we have right now. So uh, love listening to the podcast whenever I can, especially on drives. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Amity, and everyone else who emailed at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Going to get into the episode in just a moment. Want to say thank you, of course, to our patrons at patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Well, you wanted it, and you're getting it. The latest Patreon poll. It's, uh, I mean, you've, you, I mean, you already have it. If you go to Patreon, you voted on it, and you got an episode on adventures from the Book of Virtues. Mm -hmm. Somehow, Super Y got beat again. But we're gonna, we're gonna tuck Super Y away for a rainy day, yeah. uh, given the amount of support it's had. But adventures from the Book of Virtues, man, we had a time talking about that. That's one of our longest episodes because we just had a lot to say. Yeah, and you know, in defense of myself, uh, not all of it comes to kind of a salient, uh, coherent point. I do kind of go off the rails a little bit, uh, but that's just what you know. These tales of morality does to me, Will. So yeah. if you want to hear that conversation, uh, like we said, one Canadian dollar gets you behind that paywall. It is pay what you want, and we thank everybody who has done so, including new patrons, Cat Dog, Jeff L., Jack, and Katie P. We also have David Morales, Jeffrey Norris, and Rory Forever. We have Howell Pendragon and Derek Richopo. We have Joe Low Flo and Iman Salehian. We have Kirsten and Greenhouse Vinyls. Uh, we also have, this is me transitioning to the second page, Hannah Kitten and Bob Yee. We have Daniel Optograph and Valeria. We have Yoshi and Andrew Power, former guest on the show. Joe Sue, Riley Stevens, and we also have, let's say, John Griswold. And everybody else, thank you very much for subscribing to us on Patreon. If you haven't had your name read out in a while, let me know. 
and we will get into what the next episode of For the Kids will be near the end of the show. But for now, it's time to talk about Arthur. We're starting off with Follow the Bouncing Ball. And Lucas, wouldn't it be cool to travel back far in time? <laughs> Arthur and the gang, they're going back to dinosaur times uh, through the use of some kind of proprietary technology that is apparently for educational use. Yeah, this was, with an episode with a kind of clandestine title like Follow the Bouncing Ball, I was not expecting us to be already having so many questions off the rip with like, okay, there's this magic time road where like if you, it doesn't disturb the timeline if you don't go outside the boundaries of the time road. And this is apparently... um, like leads to their lockers and that's like the portal to this like time dimension in the, the Jurassic period. Um, and then also in this sequence, uh, they literally do just steal the gag from that one Treehouse of horror episode where um, Homer has the, the toaster that allows him to go back in time and he keeps yeah. accidentally changing stuff and it affects the future. At first I wish I, like, I wish oh. I hadn't killed that fish. <laughs> Exactly. At first I was like, oh, this is somewhat inspired by it because, okay, Buster leaves some raisins outside the time road, which he's been explicitly warned to not do because it will change the future. But then, like, the way it changes the future is, like, exactly the same as the big payoff of that episode where um, the the future that Homer decides upon is is everybody has, like, giant lizard tongues or whatever. Uh, yeah, every, like, everything's normal except for the fact that they eat with lizard tongues and Homer just goes, eh, close enough. Exactly. Um, except in this episode, they all have the same faces but lizard bodies, which, once again, we were talking earlier about espousing the uh, the benefits of season 14. Um a classic Arthur body horror has made yes. a big return in the very unexpectedly. Yeah. 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 And it's something that, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. This is one of my favorite aspects of Arthur is when it gets weird. <laughs> and this is, all you got to do is change the music, throw this in a YouTube comp and you have some more Arthur nightmare fuel available to you when they have their weird lizard hands and <laughs> Mr. Rapper comes they're, out they're ta- talking about going to fly eating class. And they're and they're lizard bodies, but they also have the individual animal heads. Like their heads haven't changed. <laughs> um, yeah, so like this one, this cold open, I feel like it goes a little bit longer than most of them, and it's very involved. It's literally like the kids going back to dinosaur times and observing them. They're like I said, they're using some sort of time field because there is a um, there is a border to it, and that's how they end up messing things up. Buster is hungry. And he ends up eating a package of dry raisins. By the way, you can keep them. Get them out of here. And he accidentally drops the package outside of the borders of the time field. And a lizard goes over to it. So that ends up making them lizard people in present day. And the idea that we're supposed to take from the cold open is, who knew that one small action could change so much as Arthur uses his lizard tongue to eat a fly? So, yeah, that was... I like I literally was like like my my jaw was open of like I can't believe we this is where we're going and then I'm like what the hell is this episode about? Yeah, Rick and Morty who? Uh Arthur was doing it in 2012. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They did get they did get to it first. Thankfully, it's not as horrific as that Rick and Morty episode. Um so we start off the episode proper with George. He's looking to break the record for most dominoes dropped in a row, uh, 850. <laughs> Another use of George's last name by the way, Lundgren, as Buster is videographer for this. But unfortunately, Francine and her new soccer ball end up wrecking the whole thing, which like if you're going to do this out in public, like first of all, like you're contending with the wind surely. And then you're just leaving this open for anyone to mess up. So True. I, I mean, True. I have sympathy. I have sympathy for George, but it's just kind of like I don't know. Like you were kind of asking for it with keeping it so open space. Whenever the Domino Man trademark would would visit my elementary school, ah, it was yes. always in a, a closed environment. It was in a climate controlled gym, uh, so that no acts of God would interfere with his domino display. Uh, there's a really good gag that made me laugh here, where uh, right before Francine messes up the whole domino display, uh, George is like thanking everyone in the camera, and he's like, "I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my tubby." <laughs> And it's like really good, co- like really good timing. As like just as he's like thank draw doing this like drawn out kind of Oscar speech, thank you is when his uh, his plans are kind of ruined by uh, Francine. 
So Francine and Muffy are on their way to the soccer field to break in Francine's new soccer ball. Muffy gives George a 10% off wiper fluid coupon for Crosswire Motors as like a compensatory gift. Yeah, she says, Uh, here's for your pain and suffering. Yeah, for your pain and suffering. Uh, So Francine goes to hit, goes to make a goal with it. And Muffy ends up saving it. So she's all decked out in like various sport protective sports gear. And uh, Francine actually like hits it directly at her and it just bounces off of her leg. And Francine's like, you never make a save. That's why I always do this with you. And (laughs) Muffy's very pleased. Uh, So Francine retrieves what she thinks is her soccer ball out of the bush uh, nearby. And then we see Alberto, who also retrieves a soccer ball out of the same bush. Uh, Alberto, Arthur's neighbor, is um, telling Arthur later on about his specific soccer ball called El Boomerang, which was also the nickname of the greatest Ecuadorian football player ever, Juan Carlos Salamanca. And before you ask, Lucas, this is entirely made up. This guy does not exist. I didn't actually have to ask this time because I wanted to look this up. Ah, because uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I was interested. I was like, okay, is this a piece of sports history? Um, and yeah, that person is not real. Um, and in he mentions, I think, is it a 1959 game between Uruguay and Ecuador? That's um, right. Anyway, when you look up Uruguay Ecuador soccer game, uh, there was like a big South American championship, but Uruguay won. So oh, uh, this is a little bit of like. Maybe this is a little bit of alternative history where if this person existed, maybe Ecuador would have won that game. Revisionism, maybe, yeah. And it's and it's like, you know, a lot of times, Arthur, the show is pretty good for using actual historical figures. So I did have to be like, Are, is this real? Like, I, I didn't dismiss it out of yeah. hand. I did actually have to look it up. Um, and Alberto realizes that the ball he has is not El Boomerang because that ball was signed by Juan Carlos Salamanca. Uh, Visita and him are looking for it later. Muffy and Visita run into each other and they have an argument about <laughs> football versus soccer because Muffy has never heard of the term football used to describe soccer and vice versa for Visita. This was um, my highlight of the episode. This is some classic who's on first style Abbott and Costello misunderstanding humor. That's that's um, very generous. Uh- <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I agree that it is me being very generous, but uh, as the misunderstandings started to compound, uh, eventually they start talking about like food, or I I can't remember. The misunderstandings get really out of hand, uh, but Vasita uh, is later kind of recounting this exchange, um, and she says that uh, Muffy tried to trick her into thinking a football was a vegetable, um, just to go to show like how much she's misunderstood the whole conversation. Yeah, um, Muffy at one point mentioned mentioned squash, like, uh, yes. uh, you know, because because with foot with American football, <laughs> you use you use your hands, and they're just like, well, why don't call, why don't you call it handball? And then they get handball and squash confused, and then that's where Visita uh, gets uh, confused as well. We also see here a quick cameo from Trini, Visita's imaginary friend from the episode Baby Kate and the imaginary mystery who I'd completely forgotten about. Uh, big thanks to the Arthur Wiki uh, for research in this episode. I'll also put this out here, and I know that I kind of harp on this a lot, but, you know, I'd like it if our podcast was on the Arthur Wiki. I've said that before. <laughs> and I will, and I'll tell you, th- I'll tell you this. I'll, you know what? I might, you know, cool it with asking for that. But I will say, if, if Elwood City Limits does go on the Arthur Wiki at some point and we get the confirmation, I have no problem putting up top on the podcast this uh, this podcast brought to you by the Arthur Wiki because they are a valuable source of information. We actually talked about the Arthur Wiki in the previous ECL episode with Peebs, who is a big contributor to it. So I would be happy to promote it as an Arthur fan resource but you gotta give me a you gotta give me a little something to work with here, okay? Now, how does the rules work, Will? Do we have to appear in an episode of Arthur before we can be on the Arthur Wiki? Like, do we need to? Like, mm. Well, I mean, we were drawn by someone who drew storyboards for Arthur. That's that's, that's right. Pretty close. Well, I mean, I'm open to the discussion. If anybody, <laughs> if any big wigs from the Arthur Wiki want to have a have a sit down talk, <laughs> I would love Pick- to. I would love to. 
picture of Will sitting at a at a public table. Uh, I should be in the Arthur Wiki. Debate me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we also there's a there's a point here where Visita kind of like walks around Muffy because she's kind of interrogating her. She thinks that Muffy is lying about not knowing where her soccer ball is, and in this in this shot of her walking around Muffy, her head looks so. Big. I've noted in this season, and I think maybe the one before, there are times where the animation gets a little bit off model, and it was definitely here. Like Vasita's head looks enormous, mm. uh, and it was, it was very strange. Also strange was that later when Vasita relays this happening to Alberto, Alberto says Muffy doesn't even like sports. How do you know? Like well, and Alberto also she plays sports with them all the time. <laughs> well. But Alberto is not their age. Like, he's Arthur's neighbor, but he's older than him. So it's like, he's friends with Arthur because they're neighbors. I don't I don't assume that he knows the other kids. Mm. So, I don't know. that. We need a little, I need a little bit more explanation on that one. And so, yeah, Francine also realizes that she has uh, a ball that is not hers. Buster, like, she finds out that Alberto is involved because Buster is, like, taking her to task over the video evidence of George's dominoes being being wrecked. He's very upset about it. Uh, also, speaking of animation, Francine's proportions when she's sitting down cross-legged looking at the TV, little little weird looking. Uh, and then Francine sees in the video that Alberto had a soccer ball at the same time. So maybe they uh, accidentally got them switched. Um, I, I gotta go- say, that, that, that sequence where Buster is showing her the video is, is my second favorite sequence of the episode. Uh, Buster's doing some JFK back and to the left with this footage of George getting interrupted um, to the point where he, like, slows it down and there's, like, this tantrum from George uh, no. that, like, yeah, that never really happened, like, in regular motion. And then um, <laughs> Buster goes, this clearly indicates that George is upset. Now let's watch it in reverse. <laughs> I wanted uh, also, to see it in reverse. Also, right before that, we get this weird uh, part where Francie takes it to the ball to uh, Brain to like assess the handwriting. Apparently, Brain is a handwriting expert, and I put expert in scare quotes because he's talking about like, oh, this person is obviously an assertive person by the way like this handwriting looks, and I'm like, okay, Brain, like whatever. Like this is like <laughs> when they got like. Um, um, body language experts to like assess Bernie Sanders, and they were like, "Oh, <laughs> from his body language, like obviously he's talking about this." It's like, okay, like Brain could have said anything there. He was literally just talking out of his butt. Um, so I don't like <laughs> another. That's another L for Brain, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of his uh handwriting assessment abilities. So as Francine goes out the door to go to Alberto's. Uh, she gets Buster to toss her the soccer ball, but he tosses it too hard, and Francine has to chase after it. She says, that was a terrible throw. And Buster says, the pressure was too great. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny way to say that. We get this, like, Saul Bass-esque montage here, mm. where, like, Francine is chasing the ball through these, like, little animations. It's hard to describe. It's, like, on a black screen, and then little parts of the scene open up in, like, these little visual bars. I don't know. It's really hard to describe, but it reminded me of like the openings of movies from the sixties where Saul Bass did the credits for them. And they're all like kinetic topography of the time. I I think that's an apt comparison. And it's funny. We get like the, we get some like new Arthur montage music that then transitions into the classic Arthur, uh, uh, like mischief is afoot music. You know what I mean? Like the classic, like, Oh, this person is spinning all these plates and something's about to go wrong. We we have that had that song since like season one. Um, and we get like a new song that like turns into that. And I, I don't know. I thought this was a kind of an electric sequence. I liked this little chase. I thought it was a creative way to do it. We also see a cameo from Killer here as she gets into it with the ball and uh, chases after it for a little bit. And then the ball, Alberto's ball, goes on the back of a truck and is seemingly never to be seen again. Francine eventually does go over to Alberto's and he explains about, as you mentioned, the Ecuador versus Uruguay game uh, where uh, Juan Carlos Salamanca, he accidentally, we see this in a, in a black and white flashback, he accidentally heads the ball and wins for Ecuador. He, but he totally like crumples. They have to stretcher him off. 
uh, and the ball was a gift from Alberto's grandfather. Now, that said, Francine offers to give him her soccer ball, and he is like, no, that's okay, I've got a bunch of them. He seems pretty chill about losing this gift from his grandfather. Nothing really comes of this. He's just like, ah, like, I don't even remember what he says, but he's just like, it, it, it doesn't really bother him. And this never gets a resolution. Like, I'll just say quickly here, because this is the end of the episode. Again, I, it, I feel like in the last few seasons, we get into these episodes where I'm like, okay, how are we going to wrap this up? And then the episode just stops. And I'm like, oh, but, but what about the, what about the thing? Um, a couple weeks ago when I was talking with Jason about Tales of Grotesquely Grim Bunny, that episode ends very similarly. Where So the end of the episode, the actual end, is Francine gifts her soccer ball to George as an apology, who is doing making a domino structure, or not a structure, but like a domino whatever in his garage. And he gifts it to him because it's bad luck for her, and it ends up destroying his dominoes again. And we see a little cameo from Alberto's ball, El Boomerang, as it just goes down the street. And I was... And I was I couldn't believe that was the ending of the episode. I figured that like, oh, it's okay. He'll get he'll get the ball back or something. No, he doesn't. At least, not yet. It's true. We we, we might see a sequel here. Uh, we'll have to keep an yeah. eye out for El Boomerang in later episodes. But I also kind of like I, I like the weird um, denial of gratification of like you know what. He had a good attitude about it. He let the ball go, and that's that's the end, I guess. It almost feels like the end of like No Country for Old Men or something, where it's like, <laughs> huh, I wonder what all this was for. Oh, well. I had these two soccer balls, and then I woke up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, El Boomerang gets away, and then you never see it again. Yeah, that's... Mm. That's a very funny comparison. Um, yeah, and it, I just... Uh, all right. Well, I didn't expect it to end there for good or for ill. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Yeah, let's, let's, talk, about, let's talk about art. What uh, are the more loose kind of uh, uh, tying it in with the episode. Like, they're like, these patterns you're making are kind of like that pattern on a soccer ball, like in the Arthur episode you just watched. Like the autograph on Alberto's ball. Like, all right. (laughs) But I actually thought this was really cool. I never did anything like this in school. Basically, they're doing the thing where you... I'll, I'll try and describe it. They're writing their name in a shape... Uh, like they they fold a square of paper, then they write their name in a shape, and then they trace it along those four segments, and mm. it creates a design out of however they wrote their name. The teacher even drops like radial symmetry, like introducing what I think is beyond a third grade concept. I guess like I never again I never learned this in school, and then the designs they end up creating look really cool. Like I thought it- they were I thought they were neat. It's the same principle as like when you make like snowflakes out of paper when you're a little kid, yeah, right? And, yeah, and it, yeah. I, I suppose that they have the radial symmetry, uh, as the teacher says. Only other note I have for this is there's a kid who goes, "My name is Fraser," and I'm like, "Where's Niles?" <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say he probably got that all the time, but this is like 2011, so probably not actually. Probably not anymore. Just if like an asshole like me shows up and says, "Oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling." Toss salad. Some old, some old guy, uh, yeah, shows up because I'm sure his parents were Frasier fans and were upset. They're yeah. so upset that the show ended that they had to immediately have a child and name him Frasier. Mommy, my some old man asked me where Daphne was, and I'm confused and scared. Mommy, who's Mad Dog? <laughs> All right, we'll get into the second half of this Arthur episode right after this. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. 
Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood dash city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send us a message either on social media or an email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com thank you so much for your continued support and now let's get back to the show buster baxter and the letter from the sea we start off here again like the the previous cold open i was like okay where's this going this one i was like okay where is this going because yeah. we start we start off with a character named Ernest J. Cherney, or EJ, as he later calls himself. By the way, we have our own EJ on our, subscribe to our Patreon, EJ Acra. And Ernest J. Cherney, EJ, writes a message in a bottle because he is in, he's left stranded in Antarctica in 1960, left by his ship, the SS Ice Buster. So he writes a message into a soda bottle. He's uh, making friends with the penguins there. And then Buster finds it decades later in 2012. So it seems that we're going to be thinking about this letter from the sea. Now, th- this was this was quite a lot. Like, I had to go through this cold open a couple times and go to the Arthur Wiki to make sure I was spelling Ernest J. Cherney right. What is a little odd to me, and this didn't stick out right away, I checked the original air date for this episode. This is like the middle of 2011. And yet, this episode takes place in 2012. And I just find it a a little odd. Yeah, a little odd that it takes place a year after. And I I wonder why. Maybe they just wanted to future-proof it. I don't know. Maybe it's like Madden games where it's like next year (laughs) always comes out the the year of. I'm not sure. This, okay, this is a... Um, obviously the, the time, um, the time road cold open is more high concept, but this one almost is crazier because it's more directly tied to the episode. So like, you're, you're able to be like, wow, that time road was really crazy, but it was a complete non sequitur. And now we're getting into the Arthur episode where with this one, this whole episode in the back of your head, you're like. Did that guy die on that iceberg? Right. Because <laughs> Buster yeah. is only finding this now, and he is nowhere close to contacting the Coast Guard to go help that guy. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I don't know what I was expecting from this. It's just like, okay, we need to get a message in a bottle here. But there was such, like, background to the message that I was like, like, I feel like an earlier Arthur episode would just have the message in a bottle and then, like, no setup whatsoever. And I didn't even consider the fact that this could possibly come back. So no spoilers yet. We'll we'll get there. So Buster finds the letter. He is on vacation with the Reeds at what looks to be like a like a coastal seaside village of some sort. Like if you were to vacation in like Lunenburg or something, maybe? Maine, you know. Maine, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Buster interprets the letter as something that is made personally for him because when he gets the letter, it's in a it's in a soda bottle and a lot of the writing has is indecipherable except for Buster, please help, which we know is from the Ice Buster, the uh, the boat name. And he is so Buster takes this to mean a message from him. He even gets excited because the bottle says according to him, that it's from Atlantis. Although Arthur corrects him and says Atlanta. To which I was like, again, we we talk about how in these later seasons they're getting good with continuity. I always appreciate whenever there is refer- there is reference to the fact Buster is not a strong reader. Now, mm. he doesn't have dyslexia necessarily, but he he's he's any but he's not Arthur. Like not every kid in this in this show has the same reading level. And I can think of a couple of instances throughout the entire show where Buster has trouble reading some bigger words. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then right here, it's just like, it's like, Oh, it says Atlantis. No, Buster says Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so he gets that kind of stuff confused. And Arthur is right to not trust him to read something. We also see a cameo here from L boomerang. 
So I thought maybe this would tie into the episode more. It doesn't. But the fact that it's here makes me makes gives me a little hope that we're not done with it yet. Yeah, so who knows where it's going to end up. I'm I'm curious now. Like now like season 14, we're getting like Arthur season arcs? Okay. <laughs> I'm for it. So they uh it begins to rain on them at the beach. And they go to a uh, gift shop that is run by Captain Jack, who is a episode-specific character. He is very much the Arthur version of the sea captain from The Simpsons. I was just going to got... say, speaking of episodes being inspired by The Simpsons, this is yeah. literally the sea captain from The Simpsons down to like the way he talks and everything. Like, you, you have expected him to bust out an R. He's very, he's very, very close. But he's got, you know, the the jacket, the boots, the hat, the corn cob pipe. He's got the 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 lighthouse accent, um, yeah. and he mentions specifically that sea the sea turtles will be born soon, and it's something that everybody can see for free as long as we keep the beaches clean. In fact, he's got a clean the beach button. Uh, hey Eddie, uh, ECL patron Eddie. Let's get some clean beach buttons going, okay? I was going to say, those clean beach buttons, I was like, this is a button my girlfriend would wear. It's a like a chibi yeah. um, uh, pink dolphin with like, it's got like the watery eyes, like the watery eye emoji, like yes. these kind of big anime eyes. I was like, this yeah. is a cute button. <laughs> it's, it, it almost looks like a Neopet a little bit with, <laughs> with, the, with the huge eyes. So Buster is still thinking about this, this um this letter that he got apparently from Atlantis and he has the first of two dreams that night. Uh, he dreams about King mackerel, the second of Atlantis who is trying to get in touch with him through messages in a bottle. And so, okay. First of all, a couple things here. When Buster goes to sleep and has the dream, they legit use the SpongeBob scene transition with the bubbles. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, I didn't catch you know, the, that, but I do know bubble, what you're talking about. The bubbles Ooh. rising up from below screen. Yeah, the they use that to go to his dream, and it, it was an immediate sense memory of SpongeBob. Like it is so close to what they normally do. Like I was just I was floored, and because especially like 2011, SpongeBob's like the biggest thing in, in the world for that that uh, for that age range. Um. Buster later finds another bottle with a message in it, but it isn't a message. It's just Zoop. Just says like Zoop. A, it's like a coupon, right? It's like yeah. It's like now this is a little bit confusing because it's like okay, did the, the coupon come with the bottle? Like if you were to drink this Zoop, like do they have just the paper loose in the bottle, or did someone like take it off the label and then put it in the bottle? Maybe. I don't really know. We got to look up Zoop on the Arthur Wiki, I guess. And I'm going to say that Zoop is probably like a purple sort of drink, like a purple mm, soda. Like Fago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jug- Juggalos in the Arthur universe, they they Ooh. whoop whoop and drink that Zoop. It's too late to get ICP on Arthur. They would have totally been down for it. Uh, it's never too late. They're still, you know, they're still putting up music. The Dark Carnival's still ongoing. The gathering still happens every year. Call up Violent J and, and Shaggy 2 Dope. Get them on Arthur. I'm sure they'd love, they'd be great. That's a Binky episode that we missed out on. Binky runs with the hatchet. <laughs> exactly. He's down with the clown. He is down with the clown. They, they, all, they, they love wrestling. Binky's into, like, harsh music, like the Insane Clown Posse. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a little young for it, but hey, we all listen to and watch things that we shouldn't have when we were kids. Binky would absolutely be a fan of the ICP. Like, this this was a missed opportunity, especially given their, you know, comparatively sterling reputation these days. Like, uh, we, we could have done something with ICP. After Buster has this dream, he is sending, he wants to send a letter back to Atlantis, but he ends up sending like multiple letters back because he's just so curious about the inner workings of Atlantis. I had a note here, and maybe it's just because of like you know all of the all of this kind of stuff going on in the news. I just said I worry about Buster's future. We know that he's already conspiracy minded, and he's too liable to believe anything. He has a dream that Atlantis exists, and he has a bottle which explicitly doesn't say Atlantis and yet he just believes it and I'm like listen I agree we uh, I, we okay, love we love we love Buster don't we all love Buster but it just 
it's a little, it feels a little different these days. You know, it's just like people so are liable I, I, to believe a lot of foolish things. I agree. And that is a running through line of this episode is that Buster's mania and his obsession with this uh, yeah. is somewhat ruining Arthur's vacation because he's become hyper fixated on this Atlantis fantasy. And while I agree that uh, the evidence to lead him to believe that this is a message from Atlantis is uh, precarious at best. It would be pretty shocking to receive a message from a bottle that is addressed to you by name sure. uh, from the yeah, ocean. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't, I don't blame him, especially if you were a kid. I don't blame yeah, him yeah. for being so fixated on this. Like, if I got a message from the ocean that said "Lucas, help us," I would be like, "That's Whoa. really crazy." Um, like that, I don't blame him for that kind of being this like shocking. I, I mean, even and as we get later on in the episode when we learn what actually happened, it's it's a pretty crazy coincidence, all things yeah, considered. You're right. Um, so he should not be faulted for kind of being super fixated on this message from the ocean because it is really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That being said, I agree that this is the the kind of dark side of, of Buster's beliefs is that he's very quick to connect dots that aren't really there to be like, okay, this is certainly from Atlantis. Beside, and he did, kind of closes out any sort of other possibilities based on a, mis, mis, a misreading and his dreams alone. That's totally fair, and I think the out here is that Buster is a kid. It's way different in real life when you have, like, people in their f- past the age of 40 who are believing things like this. That's way more concerning, and it seems that Buster eventually grows up into a normal human being. Knock on wood, we hope so. Um, also, related to that, I do want to see a, 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 a complete and total Arthur adaptation of Zodiac with Buster in the Jake Gyllenhaal role. <laughs> I want him to go. I want him to go down to that old basement and think that he's gonna die down there. That was, that's absolutely. And and then he and then he goes. And then he goes to that uh, that hardware store at the end. He just wants to look that guy in the eye. He wants to know. Let's hope he doesn't go to uh, Brain to assess the handwriting because Brain is gonna fill his head with a bunch of nonsense about oh they're an aggressive person because of the way they make their their G's. No, I was gonna say Brain is the Zodiac killer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, it's probably Binky, but yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and then I guess maybe Arthur would be the Robert Downey Jr. character. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to think about this some more. Um, so Buster sends out all of these messages in a bottle, and they don't really go anywhere. They just end up washing back on the beach. And as they're having dinner that night, uh, him and the Reed family, uh, Captain Jack is in a bit of a mood because all of these bottles washed up on shore. To which I like Captain Jack says, it's just like, it's like, I don't under- I don't understand it. Messages in a bottle, such an ineffective form of communication. It's I thought it was just funny that the old salt is like completely like laying out the, um, the skepticism about uh, messages in a bottle. And he doesn't know who did it. Some buffoon named Muster. <laughs> so, and and Buster, we've also, like, to go along with his reading, not the best at writing either. May I remind you that he thinks soccer is spelled with two Ks and a Q. So Buster has another dream that night, which is preceded by the SpongeBob transition, where the king of Atlantis is essentially... He's getting frustrated that Buster isn't communicating with him and then just directly tells him to clean up the beach. And, of course, the king of Atlantis kind of in his dreams looks similar to Captain Jack, at least kind of facially. So Buster, again, he takes this as an order. Like the the next day he is cleaning up the beach. Arthur sees him and says, what are you doing? And Buster says, following orders, which is chilling. (laughs) Yes, uh, Buster is finally like, he has gone from kind of uh, uh, being misguided to now he's almost lost his grip of reality. He even admits himself like, I got these orders from Captain Jack or or King Mackerel. It's hard to tell. Right. <laughs> like, they all kind of look the same. He doesn't quite know what he believes in. And then Arthur, you know, Arthur's really confused by this. And Buster says, I deserve a life sentence. He's, he says, it'll take you forever to clean up the beach. He's like, I deserve a life sentence. Just like, what? what's happening? Like, stop it. This is getting, it's getting a little too dark. And Buster eventually says to Arthur, I have a confession to make. I'm Muster. Um, it's funny. This is dark, but it gets very heartwarming very quickly because. Yes. Uh, yes. Arthur, I, this, this, I, I. Let out a, a audible awe at Arthur says, 
well, I'm going to help you clean up this beach because at least we'll be doing something together now, which that's is, a, that's is very a real cute. best friend. That yes. was that was that was great. Um, so they they do clean up the beach a little bit, and then eventually Buster runs into Captain Jack again. Uh, you know they're going to get set to to leave pretty soon, and the sea turtles are going to be uh are going to be hatching pretty soon, and this is where we find out. I legit didn't expect. I didn't expect this at all. In you know, Buster mentions the bottle that he found and the letter that was in it. And through talking with Captain Jack, we find out Captain Jack was EJ Cherney from the beginning of the episode. I was legit surprised. Like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I don't blame you because this is, like, the most unlikely thing in the world. <laughs> um, the fact that this would... <laughs> Is it the Arctic or the Antarctic? I wherever, the, the Antarctic. The yeah. Antarctic. It would float from the Antarctic to uh, what is apparently looks like, like New England. It yeah, just seems yeah. Uh, I, Martha's and Vineyard. Fact, and then the fact that the same guy would happen to be there, uh, it all is is a little loosey goosey <laughs> in terms yeah, of it's quite. Yeah. It, but you know what? I I think it's worth it for the twist too because I was thinking in the back of my mind this whole episode. I'm like, okay, what happened to that guy? Because if Buster's right, part right. of know now, no one found it before, so that guy, like, died. Like, I was wondering if they were going to address that, because this whole time, you know, Buster's on a wild goose chase trying to talk to the Atlanteans, and I'm like, no no help went to that guy. Um, so th- it comes full circle. They even kind of explain why the guy has a weird accent, though. Mm. You know, to me, he just had a pirate accent, but he's like, Arr, I, I went to Ireland for my entire life, right. and that's why right. I don't talk like I'm from New Jersey. So, yeah, it's um, – the, the, ca- the captain explains that he was stranded in the Antarctic, but – some Irish, he says, some Irish scientists found me. They took me to Dublin where I lived until me retirement, which apparently is in this New England type area. So it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, like, I, like New England by way of Irish sounds like a pirate, I guess. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, if you're will, if we're willing to go along with, I, I, I guess I'm trying to be a little bit more like loose with the way that Arthur presents a story and I'm trying to get used to the fact that sometimes like an Arthur story will end and it won't have like a resolution. So I mean, when this, this actually, all right. yeah. when there's a setup and payoff in this, I was genuinely surprised. And I don't mean that to sound like insulting or anything, but it's just like, eh, some, like you said, sometimes we get a little loosey goosey with the story and it's all about the experience. So like, I was genuinely surprised that anything came of this. And, and as you mentioned, as you alluded to, um, Buster says, you're from Atlantis. No, I'm from New Jersey, which great line. Turns out that EJ Cherney was was all right. And Buster learned a lesson about, you know, not uh, cleaning up the beach. And the episode ends with the reeds and Buster seeing as the sea turtles make their way to the ocean. And Buster asks one of them to send him a postcard from Atlantis. A lot more pleasant than, like, real sea turtles hatching where, like, half of them get, like, murdered and eaten or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want my kids to be live for that. Let's see a very edited version of that happening. <laughs> yeah, first. all the sea turtles made it to the water, and nothing bad happened. And then, the, yeah, then then like a guy, like a guy in the Arthur world who is like a seagull, like just a seagull man, is there just eating them all. This is like, ah, mm-hmm. this is this is double screwed up. Um, and now a word from Mark Brown. You might want to know the secret formula for drawing Arthur. We'll do two letter O's, hook them together with a little upside down letter U, and we'll do a larger letter U like this. We'll do a straight line here, two dots here, two lines here, two dots here, a curved line for his mouth. Now we'll add his ears, and there's Arthur. That's great! Uh, have we not yes. seen this before? I feel like we saw I, this clip before. I feel I, I feel we definitely have. It's just I. It was just so randomly inserted at the end. It's just, it's just a. <laughs> it's the classic. If Mark Brown is going to be on a television show, he's going to draw Arthur. <laughs> he's going to show you how to draw Arthur. <laughs> he loves to do it. You literally can't stop him from doing it. He does it all the time. Yeah, I'd like to see you try. 
He'll use that really satisfying black marker. He'll draw Arthur with the, the, the here's the circles, here's the dots for his eyes every time. <laughs> Thank you, Mark Brown. All right. Now, let's talk about the episodes in review here. So, Lucas, you've, you've been back after a little bit of an absence. You're, you're getting back into the Arthur swing of things. What did you think of Follow the Bouncing Ball? So follow the bouncing ball. Like I said, I wasn't. I did have high expectations given the namesake, right? I was like, okay, it's about a bouncing ball, like whatever. Um, and I think this episode, more than anything else, is a testament to the quality of season fourteen. I can see in the in the last three seasons, um, if there was an episode about the exact same subject matter, you know, a case of of the the switched balls. Um, oh, where where's my ball? Oh, where's the other person's ball? You know it would be really boring. This episode, it's not like the plot of this episode is anything special or spectacular. It's just the execution of season 14. We have that kind of grotesque Cronenbergian opening sequence with the, the lizard people. We have some really funny lines throughout, you know, Muffy going here for your pain and suffering. Um, all, all the stuff with like, <laughs> but I'm laughing just thinking about it. all the stuff with the Buster filming George. I thought that was done in a really funny way. Um, that was really kind of unique. Um, I don't know. I, I thought, and yeah, like you said, I kind of was into kind of how melancholy, melancholy and unsatisfying the ending is and how it's just like, sometimes you lose the ball and it's out there somewhere and you just have to be okay with that. Uh, so this episode really surprised me in a lot of ways, and I think it's it's a testament to such a simple story. Our our balls got switched, and I need mine, and you have yours, and and the uh, misunderstandings that result uh, being executed really well by the Arthur writers, kind of firing on all cylinders at what they do. I'm a little bit milder on this episode than you are. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. Um. I just kind of think again, like I, I, I'm growing a little bit of a distaste for Arthur episodes that kind of, as I, I feel like I've said this before, they stop rather than end of just like, mm. but there's more to tell. Now I think that there are other episodes, even in this season that do this a little, that are a little bit worse for this. And to be fair, this could be setting something up for later on. So I want to withhold judgment on that necessarily. Um, I kind of like. I just thought. I thought this was fine. Like, I I don't really have strong feelings about it. I um, appreciate the involvement of Alberto and Visita. I'm glad that they are still part of the show. Um, yeah, the whole thing with the soccer balls was just like I like. I was just like, where is this going? And then it kind of didn't go anywhere. But the little details here and there are interesting. Like, I liked what the ball meant to Alberto, which is why I'm a little confused why he's so okay with not getting it back in the end. And, yeah, just the little details of, like, George doing the dominoes, which does seem like something he would be interested in doing. Um, Francine with the soccer ball and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I like, I thought it was fine. I don't really have any strong feelings about it, to be honest with you. I will say that my feelings are a little stronger for Buster Baxter and the Letter from the Sea. And that has, a, as I said, has a, at least a bit to do with the fact that it's, like, set up and payoff. Like, I really, I was genuinely surprised. But I will also say, I think that it was, for the most part, fun, and it was fun to talk about. I think it, it's one of those one of those stories that we have once in a while where it's like, I actually end up liking the episode more after we talk about it. Because there's parts of, there's various parts of it that are actually quite fun to look back on. Like, the inclusion of the character of Captain Jack. Um, just how, just how in the weeds Buster gets on his latest conspiracy uh, fan like flight of fancy and you know when it's when he's a kid it's a little it's a bit more charming uh and we 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 let buster have that one i liked the different setting i just find it interesting that's like buster's on a vacation with the reeds in you know new england or whatever it's like okay interesting and i did think the through line of a message in a bottle is it was was kind of cool um you know, I, I would say I liked it. I didn't love it, but uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a good time with this, and keeping the concept of message in a bottle alive and well for uh, younger kids. Uh, what about you, Lucas? I think the the really the strength in this episode in watching it the first time is that big unknown in the back of your mind. That opener kind of colors the entire episode because the whole time I'm just wondering like. 
Buster's going on this wild goose chase, but, like, what about that guy that froze to death? Like, what's going on with him? And I just kept wondering, like, are they going to address it? Are they going to address it? And you're right. They do give us a um, <laughs> a satisfying, albeit uh, outlandish conclusion to that story. But I think they, they earned it. Uh, uh, and so I thought that this episode... Um, kind of had that balance between ridiculous uh, with that whole subplot with the um, message in the bottle, as well as heartwarming with, you know, um, Arthur coming to Buster's aid and, and helping him clean the beach, even though he thinks he's delusional and all the stuff with kind of um, uh, DW wanting to see the sea turtles and the kind of nice little moment we have that we leave the episode on. I think it was a really good condensed story and goes some wild places. It's also a really funny, both of these episodes have some really funny lines. Like there was a lot of lines from DW I wrote down, you know, DW exclaims that bottle could be a million years old. Uh, there's another part where she asks, she keeps asking if there's a sick genie in the bottle. Yeah, that's um, her big thing, yeah. Yeah, some, some good writing throughout. So I also enjoyed this episode. Well, good. And it's 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 rare. It's been rare so far in the season that we get like a truly a truly bad one. And thankfully, truly bad Arthur episodes are very few and far between. So, uh, very very glad to be able to talk to you about this episode once again. I've I, I miss it. Of course, I do. I love all of our guests, but there really is nothing like a classic Will and Lucas Arthur episode discussion. So glad to be able to get back to that for a little bit. Um, but it's, I mean, at least for the coming week, it's going to be a little bit different around here, uh, at least if you're a patron. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Patrons, coming up next week, well, Lucas is going to be, go is, you're going to be going to the Emerald Isle. You're going to That's Ireland. Right. I'm going to Ernest J. Cherney's homestead. Uh, <laughs> and, I didn't so even think about I'll, that. I'll, I'll ask around to see if anybody knows him. And you're going to be enjoying a well-deserved vacation after you had such a hectic work schedule. But we will have a piece of Patreon content for you. We got the chance to speak with one of our favorite YouTube channels, which does have something to do with Arthur, but is also great if you're interested in media preservation, if you're interested in nostalgic content. Lucas was good, was very good to set up this interview with the Betamax King. This interview is going to be coming to your Patreon feuds, feuds, your Patreon feeds next week. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It's a very interesting and local to Halifax interview that we were happy to do. There will also be a piece of video content exclusively for Patreon coming again. It's time for another episode of ECL Eats, where I try out an Arthur recipe. So those will be coming for you next week. Uh, and then the next Patreon content following that, which won't be next week, but it will be a couple weeks after, our next episode of For the Kids, it's my pick, and I want to talk about the Berenstain Bears. We're going to be talking about the show, we're going to be talking about the books, we're going to be talking about, yes, the name, we'll get to it, I'll have to really dig around for that one and make sure I'm saying it correctly and I'm in the right universe and all that stuff, so that will be coming soon to a For the Kids near you. And on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Around the World in 11 Minutes and Muffy and the Big Bad Blog. I always like it when Arthur gets a little bit current with uh, what it's talking about. So current to 2011, Lucas, blogs were a big thing. I had a blog. Did you have a blog? I mean, I don't want to interrupt our conversation for the next episode, but I'm, I, I'm sure we both had a blog of some sort. You'll have to wait, Will, until next oh. episode. I will reveal, did I or did I not have a blog? You'll have to wait. <sighs> okay. Well, hopefully you will be with us when Lucas reveals and I go deeper into our pasts with a blog and more as we continue to talk about Arthur. Lucas, have a great vacation, and we will catch you here next time. Patrons, stay tuned. Everyone, stay tuned. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, this park is filled with rude people. We'll see you next time.